Raptonians, and welcome to Rap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber. And joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the Mac to my cheese, Mr. Shaheen Avani! <laughs> That was my that was my MP- NPR intro, Shaheen. Um, I liked it very much. NPR voice. Mm. Also, mm, yes. I like mm. that our faces have to be inside the microphone for mm, it to be right up in that properly right up in the pop filter. Pop filter. Pop pop pop. How did I don't I just I don't know my man. By the way, I was D- a, man. I was having such a oh my god! Did you just fifth element me? That was a I did <laughs> yeah. I I ruby redded you. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Any color green you want? Is it green? Super green. green. <laughs> <laughs> come, come on, my man. <laughs> I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this. This isn't green. <laughs> come in, come on, my man. <laughs> I love that movie, and I have to watch it again. Oh, it's so good. I think it's on Netflix. It's so good. It should always be on everywhere, forever. <laughs> I've missed you, buddy. It's been a while. I miss you too. It has been a while. Um. What you been up to? What you been? What you been doing? Uh, sheltering in place. You know, uh, I've been sheltering in place and cooking a lot of food, like a lot. I've gotten into baking now. Uh, I, oh. I made some handmade pasta the other night, uh, and, I, oh. and I've, I've ridden my motorcycle a couple of times. I've gone away on it a couple of times now. I don't think I have ridden a motorcycle since our last show. Really? Yeah. Like I think about it. I don't think I have. Yeah. Do you know how to ride anymore? I don't know. I've been riding my bicycle a little bit. I like I I fixed up my mountain bike from when I was 15 years old, <laughs> and I've been ripping around on that. So that's been fun. But yeah, I don't think I've ridden a motorcycle since our last show. I don't know that's why really, you have a mountain really bike depressing. when you live in Portland, Oregon. The, you have to have a fixie here, like a single gear fixie, thin tire, really really narrow handlebars, probably, um, preferably like blue, maybe pink. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not an. Come idiot. on. Those things are stupid. <sighs> Think of how strong your it. legs would be, though, going uphill towards your neighborhood from the waterfront on a fixie. No, no. Do you have you seen the hill to get up from the yeah the trail up to my house? That yeah. thing is that thing's the equalizer. Yeah, I don't. You're know. not doing that on a fixie. Anytime I ride my motorcycle yourself. to come visit you, back in the day when I was able to come visit you, uh, and I would ride past somebody on a bicycle, I would just like want to stop and just push them. Like, let me help you. I have 157 yeah, horsepower. No. It's like uh, I think it's six hundred feet in elevation. If I if I look at my like stats or something, it's a it's a bitch of a hill. And it's like in like twelve blocks. Yeah, it's nothing. It's brutal. No, I'm not doing that. No. On a fixie, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> just just fuck right off with that idea. I just I don't know why people still ride them. Like I know there is technology that allows me to have different gears using, you know, less energy to go up hills. But you know what? Let me use this 1920s bullshit. There are some people that just enjoy doing things the hardest way possible. I, that's that's just all that that is. It's just like I've I could do this more easily. I could do this with a motor vehicle and I wouldn't even break a sweat. But I have decided to pick the most difficult way of doing this task. It's like it's like the idiots that climb Everest without oxygen. They're like, you know what? It's hard enough as it is. You don't need to make it harder to just, I don't know, be miserable in life. Like we're, But they do it. We're, we're grownups. Leaving the house sometimes is hard enough. Like, let's make it a little easier. And this is why we ride motorcycles, Jensen, because it's like a bicycle. But all I got to do is twist the right hand a little bit and forward momentum it just happens. I just got to feed it some dead dinosaurs once in a while. It's a beautiful thing. It's so beautiful. Fuck you, t- fuck you T-Rex. Yeah. You know what? Fucking now you're my gasoline. You're my you're my ninety two octane because I'm in the West Coast and that's as high as I can get. But whatever. How do you like that Jurassic Park? Speaking of dinosaurs, Shaheen, I want to talk to you about Harley Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite dinosaur. Did you, did 
Did you see that tee up? That was beautiful. <laughs> that, was that was really beautiful. good. We didn't, even, we didn't even plan that out. People think we write this nope. shit. We don't write anything. We just, we just not scripted. shoot from the hip. I literally have six bullet points. That's our entire script. Oh, nice. That's, that's it. Nice. That's just right here. It's just, it's just words. I just did you did you see this video that Fortnite put out? Uh, you, I haven't watched any Fortnite videos in about a month. What did I miss? Oh, so they did this. I'm gonna call it a hit piece, but honestly, I think it's pretty fair. It's just the truth kind of hurts. But it's it's their typical Fortnite kind of edgy, snarky, irreverent style. Right. These are Fortnite for those that don't know is like the Canadian Revzilla. That would be the easiest way to describe them. They're based in Toronto or Montreal. I think they're based in Montreal. Wait, Fortnite uh, is a company? I thought it was just that one young dude. So Fortnite is a is a retail website. It's literally it's like Revzilla. It looks oh. like Revzilla. I think they saw Revzilla and they're like, we could do that. And then they've hired uh, this kid Ryan. Right. He's kind of like their face. He's the uh, he's kind of the uh, the Anthony of, of Fortnite. <laughs> uh, except he's like thirteen years old, has never grown a beard, and doesn't work out. Dude, he looks like King Joffrey from the King of uh, the Game of Thrones. <laughs> does kind of have a joffrey thing going on and he's kind of got that like snarky joffrey thing going on too i like it he does good yeah it's good i actually like his videos i like his videos a lot yeah no they're good they're they're definitely super quality uh i think they have like a million subscribers on youtube they're one of the largest channels on youtube for motorcycles and and there's a reason all their videos have millions of views and they did this one on harley that basically just looked at harley what they've done over the past 10 20 30 years And kind of just broke it down. We're like, hey, like, you guys made this whole, like, biker subculture. You made this whole one percenter thing. You made this whole, like, the bitch fell off thing. And now you're wondering why young people and women and minorities and everyone that's Ah, not buying Harleys isn't buying Harleys. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, you made the bed. Go go sleep in it. If I had to, like, boil their video down to, like, one premise, that would be it. It's like, you made this shitty bed, and now you have to go sleep in it. Ooh. Um, So it was very interesting. The thing had... Um, within one day had 300,000 plays by the time I posted it on asphalt and rubber it had half a million and I think what? Let's, let me just click let me just click the button now I want to see how many it's got I know I want to look it up right it's now it's got now uh, 1.6 million views right now holy crap he broke the motorcycle internet and that's like mm, 10 days ago that's so, amazing this is an interesting video so it's obviously it's gone viral I've had two CEOs from major motorcycle companies referenced this video back to me. Um, and Harley Davidson pulled out of at least one interview opportunity with Asphalt and Robert because of it. Wow. Uh, and maybe, and maybe two. Like they're just kind of like, holy shit, we're not gonna, we're not engaging is basically their, is their like stance, um, which I think is a huge, huge mistake because you absolutely like, like you need to convince the Ryan Fort Nines of the world. Yeah. To buy a Harley Davidson. You, that that's your guy. If you can convince him to buy a Harley, I mean, we've been saying that for months. You're now. on the right track. That's yeah. that's been your go-to saying, which is correct, and that you have to try and convince the non-Harley, which is pretty much all the younger crowd, to buy a Harley. Uh, yeah. And so, oh, I'm 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 gonna have to watch this video tonight. I I'm so sad I haven't watched it so I can sit here and dissect it with you. It's like it's like 20 minutes long yeah, like you gotta sit down with a beverage it's 14 minutes um, 12 seconds long and it's got 1.6 million views in a week that's um that like in the motorcycle youtube world that's insane yeah and, and there's a reason why i mean it's very provocative it's a little savage it, it almost treads on being unfair in how kind of like brutally honest it is but right. you sit there and you're like I would say like 95% of what he's saying is spot on fucking accurate. And the other five reasonable people could have disagreements with. Well, you know, you know. reasonable people. I'm, I'm really curious. I, I need to like, oh, I don't do this, but I kind of want to read the comments now and see like what people say. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's been like one of the most commented on stories this month for asphalt and rubber. And I can only imagine what, what it is on YouTube. Um, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Fascinating. But, it brings up a good point because you know we I don't think we've we've really addressed you know Harley Davidson has a new CEO, uh, they have a new business plan. It's called the Rewire. Um, we don't really know what that business plan is because <laughs> they haven't really told us yet. 
Um, but we do know that it is going to take a, a divergent route from the more roads lead to Harley Davidson plan that Matt Levitich p- was pitching. Uh huh. Um, so that'll be interesting. the The scuttlebutt is that it's going to be more like more of the same, like pre pre Levitich, where it's just like let's just make a lot of cruisers. Well, I mean, yeah, they're 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 probably going to go back to what they're comfortable with, and and. You know, that's Harley's thing. Cruisers. What do you think about that? You're a Harley guy. Tell me, tell me your thoughts. That's the thing. I'm an ex Harley guy. Like, I feel like I'm a convert, but the thing is, I like, I like their bikes. I just think that uh, I think Harley has historically had a very hard time bending to the rules because they've had people bend to their way. Harley has just basically stayed the course and made same old, same old. And people just go, yeah, that's the thing. My great granddaddy rode and my granddaddy and my daddy and now i get to ride one and so i i just wonder is you know are we watching that dissolve so and if that's the case what's their plan like what are you going to do i just don't understand like like to be fair to be fair i i know that the rewire plan isn't just going back to the same there's elements in the more roads plan that are going to be in the rewire plan from right from the conversations that I've had with Harley. Uh, for instance, like the Bronx and the Pan America, those are bikes that are still going to come out. It sounds like some of the electric bikes are still going to come out. Um, there's going to be some delays because of production and stuff like that. The Bronx and the Pan America will be coming out in 2021. Okay. As, um, as 2021 of, bikes of, or 2022s? That's, I'm not sure. I think I think they're pushed back like, let's say, six months. So they were supposed to come out at ICMA and make their debut around that time of the year. Uh, that's not going to happen. I think they're going to like debut them in spring and maybe they're going to arrive like late 2020 or sorry, late 2021, probably his 2022 bikes. Fascinating. I, I haven't heard any confirmation on that um, because again, Harley Davidson's like little turtle. It's just gone sucked right into its shell. Um, so I mean, the, but we know they have some fresh stuff coming out with the uh, liquid cooled bikes, which is pretty cool, but is the message that that's what I'm curious. I'm really curious to see what their angle is going to be. I, I'm I'm listen to what you just said though, Shaheen. Like, look at you. you're getting excited over them making a liquid cooled motorcycle. That's how like I, that's I, how far behind in the times they I know. Are. I, that's the thing, right? You're like, oh wow, they're finally gonna do the thing. And is it like it's controversial? I bet it's so controversial within like the Harley true to heart Harley people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. There's probably just people losing their minds right now. Um I, what was really in? Re, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I was I was just hearkening back to the days when the V Rod came out. Oh yeah, right. And it was oh, like yeah. it was an immediate flop because I mean Harley like put it out there and they were like, yeah, we work with Porsche and we did this and we did that. And I remember there was like a Discovery Channel special on it, and I got excited. Like as a consumer, I was like, dude, that's so cool. Harley's making a liquid cooled, higher revving V twin that Porsche helped them make. Like how cool is that? Last time Porsche, I remember helped someone like Mercedes build like the E500. It was the coolest fucking thing ever. So, but it flopped because the dealers weren't prepared for it. Harley made it where they had to use different tools to work on that bike. So all the mechanics had to go buy like standard or metric tools. <laughs> metric yeah, wrenches. metric, yeah. <laughs> and like that pissed everybody off. It was crazy. It was like this weird uh, just wave that just kind of took over and at any Harley shop that I went to, they had these V rods and they couldn't sell them. And so they would, you know, do these, do these massive discounts on them, just hoping that some non Harley rider would be a convert by saying, yeah, this is the bike. This is the thing that we're going to try and capture the non Harley riders with. So now I'm watching this happen again. And I'm like, I think times have changed. I hope. And I, and I wonder what Harley's plan is. Like, wh- how are you going to come at this to make it not be the next V rod? I do think times have changed, but it's interesting that you just told a story that's a very recurring story in the Harley book. You know, like that was the same thing with with Buell, where it's like, oh, yeah, it was this thing and it was supposed to get non Harley riders, but the dealers didn't really know what to do with it. It wasn't really it wasn't really explained and pitched right to the market. Like that's the V rod. That's that's the the. the street 750 and the 500 models. That's the live wire. Like Harley, like I don't, they come up with these like fairly decent ideas. Like I don't think the V rod was a bad idea. I don't think the live wire was a bad idea. I don't think the street 500 and 750s were bad ideas. They were just, 
poorly implemented. Like they just never were really sold to the dealerships in a way that made sense that like, so then the dealerships could sell them to the consumers in a way. That <laughs> yeah, that's sense. exactly. You're right. You know, um, and I think that's really like, like that's why it's so easy to say something and it's harder to like do it. Like it's all about right. the implementation, but Harley like fucks this up on like a re- regular basis of like, Hey, we're going to do this thing, but we're not really going to like educate the market or do any like business development or, you know, get our dealers on board. And so like it always flops and it's not like it was a bad idea. It was just, it flops because you guys did a shitty job making it work. Like it's almost like, like someone high up came up with like this good idea. And then like the worker bees down below were like not on board <laughs> that there's like, eh, we're not really going to try on this one. Let's just, let's just call this a pass. You know who, who I think Harley should talk to is Disney. And I'm actually being serious. Think about this. Disney's a company that, you know, build a reputation on cartoons and like these neat little cute cartoon characters and this and that and the other. And then they took on the whole Star Wars franchise, among other ones, right? And promptly ruined it, Shaheen. Well, yeah, you could say that, but at the same time, they're <laughs> they're like capitalizing on it hard. I mean, to like the they hardcore. Are. And so see, you have the same attitude that like Harley people have, right? If you if you if you take something that's so sacred to you and then you have another company take it over and kind of redo it, it's like, man, eh, you kind of fucked it up. Uh, like, no, like I'm, I'm not that guy though. Like I was stoked when Disney bought Star Wars. I thought like, cool, we're gonna like explore this franchise more. My, my biggest problem with, with Disney is the implementation, where it's just like, the first movie that came out. I can't remember the names of the fucking Star Wars movies. This is how much I don't <laughs> care. All, about the them. numbers are just weird. Someone's listening right now and screaming um, at us. Yeah, I can hear, I can hear Dan Lowe losing his mind. Um, <laughs> but like the, the, the first one that Disney came out with was like, it was like a greatest hits album where it's like, hey, let's just do the Star Wars like trope storyline all over again with new characters and it's just like that's why i like the mandalorian i think the mandalorian was kind of poorly executed just just because like there was so much there and the stories were too short and too brief and they didn't they were too superficial but i like there was like I'll t- okay i'll take it back rogue one was the fucking shit i fucking love rogue, yeah, one. rogue one was amazing that's probably my favorite rogue star wars, wars movie of all time fantastic because they could get away from the Skywalker narrative and finally explore something that was new and fresh and they could do their own take on it. Right. And they weren't beholden to the masses. It was like, hey, here's a thing that like isn't really in the books, isn't really in the canon. We can we can just make up the story as we go. We can do something fresh. We can do a hot take. And it's like one of the best movies I ever watched. I mean, I love the fact everyone dies. That's just my favorite part about it. Spoilers, little, bro. Damn. Morbid. <laughs> oh come on you can see that a mile away you see it a mile away that everyone's gonna die i know you actually i kind of think I it's like bruce it was willis a- in the sixth <laughs> sense everyone's gonna die everyone's already dead bro Wait. oh fuck whoops sorry oh you're just spoiling everything i don't care i'm i'm Jesus. i'm at like i've been alone in my house for like six months <laughs> i don't care anymore i hate the world <laughs> just burn it all down that's what team man always says yeah i realize i don't need any of you i'm on i'm fine on my own mom <laughs> Just bring more meatloaf. <laughs> Mom! Meatloaf! <laughs> That's a little inside joke for those of you that had that weren't a part of the pre-show. I just, you know, my wife is an angel, and the fact that she puts up with this shit on a daily, we just realized <laughs> we've been together in the same house for 73 days straight, like without really a break, and we haven't killed each other. So that's that that right there is a true testament of love. It is super easy to snuff out your partner in their oh, sleep. Dude, super easy. Super easy. I can't believe, right there. I can't believe she hasn't done it to me yet. Like, I mean, and I use yeah. like two pillows. You could just use one of them. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, where was I going with this? All right. So Harley. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Harley. Fuck. Um, so like Harley's like the death star, right? It's just going to collapse in on itself and explode. Um, Wait, who's, the thing, the who's, thing, who's blowing it up though? <laughs> you see, Yoda is all about exploring inner space while Vader <laughs> is trying to control outer space. And that, that's the fundamental difference between the light side and the dark side of the force. Oh, so it's like two in the outer space, one in the inner space. It's like 16 parsecs on the castle runners, whatever <laughs> it is. You nerf herder. <laughs> Luke kiss his sister. Ooh, uh, where are we? Harley Davidson. Yeah, it's the same thing though. Where like you get beholden to your core demographic and they take you hostage. But 
what's what's interesting, and maybe we can talk about this. It came up in the Fort Nine video. They talked a lot about the shareholders and the share price and the earnings per per stock. Right. And it is really interesting to me to see, you know, you had that proxy war with Impala asset management. And that's kind of what brought about, you know, the change in management at Harley Davidson. That's what's kind of changing their course in terms of their business plans. And you're just kind of like, is this just so like some asshole with a 401k can make like 30 <laughs> cents more a share? Is that what's going on here? I mean, like, is that yeah. why you're like, are you going to run this company into the ground just for like short term stock gains? And like, I really think that's actually the case. Shaheen. I think this is a great example of why like motorcycle companies maybe shouldn't be public entities and uh, on the stock market. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have, anytime you have that sort of a company that big, duh, that they care about their stockholders, not the actual end user. The fact that they make a motorcycle is like second. <laughs> they, they might I mean, as, it's kind of true. They, they may as well just be a t-shirt company, which, I mean, they make, I think, just as much money selling gear and apparel than they do no, motorcycles. No, that is not true. <laughs> I know, like, I know. They make, they make a lot of the, money on look licensing. look at the comments, it's what everybody talks about. Like, oh, hardly. They just sell t-shirts. I've seen the numbers. Like, they, they don't make nearly as much money on merchandising as they do the motorcycles. But actually, what they do make a lot of money on is is the credit, the financing. Yes. HDFS uh, is huge. Th- being a bank is very profitable. Mm-hmm. And if you're a motorcycle manufacturer that doesn't have its own in-house credit uh, lending facility, you're missing out. Like, I, I do think, like, looking down the pipe 10 years from now, motorcycles are going to be lost leaders for the motorcycle companies, which are basically going to operate just as banks. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a story. Fuck. That's a whole yeah, thing. There, that's you just, you just got found yourself a new rabbit hole to write about mind blown totality. You heard it. Finish you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> when news breaks, Jensen fixes it. I definitely don't do that. I break it more. Uh, Shaheen moving, moving on. What, what's my next bullet point here? Oh, grief, grief. Honda CBR 1000 RR Fireblade SP. You've been <laughs> recall practicing, and been practicing delay. that name. Oh my God. Uh, I really want, okay. Honda marketing team. Listen up. Let's just drop the whole CBR nonsense. Let's just call it the Fireblade. Let's just, that's, that's what it is. It's what you call it in Europe already. Let's just make that a thing. <laughs> so... Like I, I literally sent the press guy the other day. I was like, do you know how many fucking tags I have to use whenever I write a story about this goddamn bike? It's literally like 11 to 12 to 28 tags to just Jesus. cover like the different iterations of like 2021 Honda CBR 1000 RR dash RSP Fireblade 2. Holy moly. Fire, you know, it's just like, let's just call it the Fireblade. The thing it's of it is Honda it's already Fireblade. a bunch of like acronyms and it's just long. It's not like it's so a name. long. Just Fireblade would be great. Just call it a Fireblade SPR. This is why nerds shouldn't do marketing because it's just it's just like <laughs> listen, just go back into your hovel and make like a better mousetrap. We'll f- let someone else deal with the naming. You come out when I tell you to come out, nerd. Because how? I mean, Fireblade is the coolest name of any motorcycle ever made. It's a blade of fire. You can't get better than that. Why are you trying to use something that's like alphabet soup? When you've already discovered the best name ever. Because it's totally racer if it's got R and R and R in it. R. Ugh. The pirate. So, <gasps> Fireblade Pirate Edition. R. Yar. Just all blacked out, carbon fiber. The gold. Sexy as fuck. Gold. Have you seen this paint that's like the blackest paint ever made? Oh, BMW used it on their car. Dark, dark, where you dark, like dark, 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 dark gray. Sorry. It's like it's dark, 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 dark gray. Super dark, dark, dark. The darkest dark, gray ever. Triple dark gray and it's like matte uh, gray it it absorbs light it's like stealth it's amazing i want it that's on something. what they should paint the fire blade whoa the, the, the pirate edition and then just have like actual fire coming out of the sides of it so all you see is just someone writing fire in the picture flame flower flame flowers flame flowers they're just they're just flame flower flame just flows from the sides of the fire blade rrr does he mean the exhaust? <laughs> that was very Jim Gaffigan of you. <laughs> Hop, fire blade pocket. But flame throwers out of the winglets. That's what I want. I got your you active mean, error right that's here, That's how you win the millennials over. Uh, yeah. 
flamethrowers would win me over. Or just like straight out of the headlights, just like out of its eyes. That would be the Knight Rider edition. Wait, yes. no, not Rider. Uh, Ghost Rider. I'm an idiot. Did not see that movie. Nicolas Cage is horrible. Whoa. Easy. Those are fighting words. And the cage is amazing. <laughs> he has such range in his facial features and his and his micro expressions. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know I'll how he gets back. passed up for for an Emmy every time. <laughs> it's an Emmy is Emmy. I don't think it's. I don't think Emmys Oscars. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. James Beard Award. Yeah, for excellence. <laughs> um. So so this comes. This is a European thing. The the bikes because obviously we don't have the Fireblade yet in the in the U.S. market, uh, but they are starting to arrive in Europe. And it turns out through testing in Japan, they're a little worried about the Conrads uh, kind of falling apart. Oh, so they're going to recall whatever units have been sent to dealers and customers. So all like two hundred of them. It's it affects three hundred bikes, but. There's been like 3,000 shipped. Oh. So 300 unlucky souls are going to have to to wait a little bit longer. And I think that's going to kind of come down to certain markets. Um, I know the Swiss market has been affected because uh, that's where I first saw the news. But um, like Germany might be okay. I, I'm just pulling that out of the hair, out of the air. I don't know. But, you know, like it'll be a little. It sounds like a one batch of Conrads from whoever was supplying those. I, can't, I don't know if that's a. A part that's supplied to Honda, or if they're making their own, um, that wasn't clear. But a batch or whatever, three hundred of them. Well, it's more than three hundred. I guess it'd be twelve hundred of them. Um, they're a little worried about. Uh, doesn't affect any of the bikes made for the U.S. However, uh, because of the coronavirus and certain you know OEM parts suppliers, you know, basically not being open for for like three months. Uh, it turns out the U.S. delivery date for the CBR 1000 R slash R Fireblade SP will be delayed until early to mid-September, which is about a month, month and a half longer than we were originally expecting. So what you're telling me is that the Tanare 700 will beat it to the punch? Assuming that Yamaha is correct in their first week of June deliveries of the Tenere 700, yes. Oh, man. It's a race. Uh, is it, though? <laughs> I mean, it's not really that close. It's gonna They're going to blow them out of the water. Oh, man. The, well, what's funny is is the, the Tenere 700 coming in June is actually a month earlier than we were originally expecting. I, you know, at this point, I, I just I stopped waiting. It's only we've only been waiting like three and a half years, yeah, seeing four years. I, yeah, I remember talking about this thing damn near four years ago. How stupid is that? It's you know here's the thing, and I think we've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. It's not like they made this crazy, insane, innovative motorcycle. It's an engine and chassis they already have. Like, what are you doing? I think truthfully, I think they. Here's what's interesting. So it takes it takes like three to five years to go from concept to production with a motorcycle. And you would think with a bike like the Tenere 700, where you already have the power plant, you already, I don't, I would be, I haven't seen anything that said the chassis is exactly the same. I bet there's some differences, sure but I bet are. they're very similar to each other. Right. So you already have like some knowledge on the chassis. You've already built a chassis for this bike. So you can like start tinkering around with it. You're not having to build one from complete scratch. So you would think the development time for the for the T7 would be a bit quicker. And so you go back to 2016 when they show us this bike and they have like a working prototype. So they've already been doing this for like at least a year probably at that point. And you're just sitting there going like, like, like one, it's either you guys showed us this bike so fucking early in its development process that it's just it was just stupid. Like you've just you've wasted so much goodwill by being so late to market that like i don't know what you were thinking or there was something along the the process of this development where they were like oh yeah it turns out uh the 21 inch front wheel just falls off for no reason <laughs> we haven't figured that out like we got to figure that out or the conrods aren't working right and, you know like there was something that they were like oh we didn't realize that uh that this this wasn't going to work the way we thought it was and now we have to like re-engineer something i kept wondering uh, if somebody like in their in their I don't know. And their offices was thinking that this 
adventure bike fad would go away and they're like why are we even doing this okay if they shot that they or if they thought that they should be dragged into the street oh, and shot yeah, because that's, that's the, that is a ridiculous thing to think. like there's no that other reason because they have this amazing motorcycle that and it's already out in the i mean i'm, I'm watching all these australian uh, videos of people test riding the thing so they're out there yeah i don't get that that it's got to be I mean, even to the European market and the other markets, it was it was still it took a long time to get there. But for it to come to the US so late, like I understand that I don't understand it to be honest. Like like someone can make the argument, like, well, the European market's gonna be bigger, so it takes priority. And you're like, okay, like maybe. Like, I don't think that's actually true. I mean, I don't think I so either. I haven't drilled down the numbers on the middleweight adventure market. U.S. versus Europe, but adventure bikes sell in the U.S. Dual sports are doing fairly well in the U.S. Um, it's one of the few segments. So I just got I just got numbers for for the last four months. Uh, street bikes are down like twenty two percent. Scooters are down like twenty percent. Dual sports are down like four percent and change. Dirt bikes are um, up. Uh, what was it? What are they up by? One million percent. One million dollars. Uh, they're up 31, 32%. Wow. This is a hot market. You know, America is a hot market for this bike. Like you bringing it out like another year after Europe is fucking criminal. And I don't know if that's like Yamaha in Japan just being like thumbs up their asses or if that's Yamaha motor just not having a freaking clue. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, confusing at the very least and it's interesting because i think the the american dual sport adventure market is a little bit later to blossom than the rest of the world because we sort of watched it get really big here in the last i don't know let's call it 10 years but i think it's ripe and everybody that i what i'm watching is people that were in their 20s and 30s that are now in their 40s they're finding this new segment that allows them to still be sporty and kind of you know, discover new routes to ride their motorcycle and have a new uh, vision on their hobby. And what better way of doing that than a ten thousand uh, dollar mid, you know, middleweight adventure bike? That that thing is gold. Right? I just can't believe it's not here yet. It, it yeah, um, it it blows my mind. It totally, it's it's such a miss. It's it, it kind of comes back to like what we're seeing about Holly Davidson. It's like, hey, you had this great idea, and you're just fucking it up in implementation like you you like, like to the point of where like i'm really worried that the the, the tenere 700 is going to be a flop for yamaha in the u.s because they're fucking it up so much now i know the pre-orders well that was the other thing so they had to do the pre-order online and like the website kept crashing for people that were trying to sign up for the pre-orders like it literally took people five hours to order this bike on the yamaha website because like their website just couldn't handle it. I swear they're just trying to prove uh-huh. that they can fuck it up in every way possible, and they're still going to sell it. I yeah. I mean, I think they're going to sell well. I think this first batch is sold out. Uh, in fact, I know it's sold out. Um, it sounds like there's going to be a second and third batch later in the year, like September, October. Um, we'll see how those how those do. I mean, this bike should sell really well. Like it, it hits all the it hits all the buttons. I mean, assuming it's a good bike to ride, um, I think Yamaha is doing a really good job of making sure I don't get on one, which is <laughs> hilarious. But, you know, like just on paper, you look at it like, okay, it's like 430 pounds. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, is that dry weight or wet weight? I should look that up. Um, Curb weight or whatever. It, 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 it's dirt. It's dirt fucking cheap. It's it's the pricing's perfect. They fucking nail the pricing. 21-inch front wheel, 18-inch rear wheel, check. Um, no electronics or anything like any big thrills, but you know what? There's definitely people in this segment that are, that's what they're clamoring for. They're oh, like, man. we don't yeah, really want electronics that's, for that bike. The simplicity. That, that's one more thing that can break. Uh, why would I want that? And you're like, okay, like not, not my jam, but I get what they're saying. So you've, you've, you're addressing that market. So like, here's like a, an adventure bike that you could actually like throw down a hill and not like cry about it afterwards. Cause you're like, oh, you know, it, it like I can buy three of them for the cost of a GS. Yeah, I mean, my, my hope is that Yamaha brings this thing out and it becomes super successful and the other brands go, oh, that's a thing we should be doing, a simplified, lightweight, uh, affordable to buy and maintain <clears throat> adventure bike. 
452 pounds wet, Shaheen. Uh, fuck the KLR or anything like that. I mean, for that price point, that, this is such a great bike. And that we already know that motor works really well. Everyone that has a FC07 or whatever they're called, they, they love them. It's a, it's a good little motor. Yeah, it's a good motor. Um, they got the weight right. I'll be curious to see how the chassis is. Um, but everything on paper looks really good about this bike. So I'll give them like a tentative check. Like I don't want to like rubber stamp that because I haven't ridden the bike. So right. I don't know. Um, but it looks it looks good on paper. Uh, it looks good on price tag. It, it looks good on like what the segment is asking for and addressing those needs. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. Less talky, more bringy over here. Yeah. So we're talking what June? Maybe. Hopefully. They're saying first week of June. All right. So we got another week from now, basically. Basically, ten days. Getting back, to, getting back to the Honda Fireblade. <laughs> 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 I think I have to edit out about 90% of what we just talked Easily. about. Easily. <laughs> uh, did you see the Honda CB1000RR-R Street Fighter concept that car design did? I sure did. and it, I like this idea. I, I don't know if I like his concept, but I like the idea. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, uh, it's I love the single-sided swing arm. The, yes. I, I, the headlight unit is, I think, needs a little work, especially with that old school Fair. set of horns in the bottom there. Like yeah. I know what they're doing, but that's such a throwback to like an '80s bike <laughs> with the giant horn sticking <laughs> yeah, out. That's fair, yeah. I like the exhaust a lot. I, that's kind of reminiscent. The exhaust looks really good. It makes me think of like the the newer uh, hyper motards drink. Um, hyper motards, uh, brutality one thousand. Yeah, yeah there you go. My, where's my head was at? Beautiful, yeah. beautiful wheels. I just like it. I like. I, I think I like ninety percent of it. It makes sense to me. Like, if you're going to spend all this money developing this crazy one liter four cylinder engine, you might as well I mean, yeah. make a Street Fighter version right? of it. Like, you know, get some of your money back. And, and the people that are built like me are more likely to buy one and ride one because you can still have a good handling bike and your gut doesn't have to be like pushed so far against the tank, you know? Drop the CB1000 double R name yep. and just call it the Dank Wooly Monster. Dank Wooly Fireblade. Fire Wooly Blade. Fire Woolies. Ooh, Fire Woolies. That's pretty good, actually. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's called the Wooly Mammoth. The Dank Blade? That doesn't Ooh, sound dank. right. Fire Woolies. <laughs> the Dank Blade. Sounds like a dirty knife you clean your bong with. <laughs> so, uh, create a new, uh, Sex position is called the, death, the dank blade. <laughs> just, just, Ugh. just hear me out. It's a good idea. Edit that out, Jensen. Future Jensen, edit that out. That is not. Mm -mm. Um, I also, mm -mm. I have to say, mm -mm. I like the concept uh, with the Honda racing, uh, like livery, the blue, white, and red, blue, white and blue. Yeah, yeah. more than yeah. the white. Yeah, I think, I think if they were to do something, frankly, I think every brand that has a superbike should have a cool naked version of it. I just think it's a good. Uh, idea far as like daily rideability. I would rather ride a street fighter every day than to do you know a street ride on a superbike. They're just not designed for that. They're they're meant to be on the track. They're not comfortable. And I'm getting old and fat. God damn it! I concur. I concur. I'm all about like it's just such a no brainer to me. It's like obviously that's what you're gonna do. And I bet the they only could question probably... is where you're going to put the flamethrowers. That's the only thing you need to talk well, about. Well, instead of those ugly horns up front between the forks, flamethrowers. Absolutely. I think I think you and I are not tapping into our potential as consultants for all things motorcycling. Like design, we got you. Sales, we got you. After sales, we probably got you. I tell you, Shane. I think they listen to the podcast and they're like, "These two idiots." Yeah, the, you're gonna you're gonna pay these two idiots money. Fucking mute. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not even gonna advertise with them. That's how much I'm not giving them my money. Yeah, yeah. We're just telling you what the people want. Listen here. Listen. And all we ask for is five percent. I mean, that's nothing. Off the top, not the bottom. Yeah, the that's top. bullshit. No, you keep the bottom. You do what you want. I want with the points bottom. on gross. Yeah, gross points. <laughs> this net income nonsense. I know how you cook the books. <laughs> I want some Hollywood points up in here. Moving right along. I finally got my MIP story out. That only took like a year. Yeah. I mean, so did like, did the Europeans threaten you with bodily harm? How did this happen? No, I mean. They were like, no MIPs for you. Some of it is it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Like, so like I went on that trip and I had like the worst jet lag ever. I, I was so messed up for like two weeks because of flying there and like there was just no nighttime and it screwed up my clock and like i literally just thought i was dying 
Um, and if I don't get the story done while I'm there or like right when I get back, it just gets lost in the shuffle. Right. But also like Shaheen, like, you know, like go back to what episode it was it that we talked about that. Oh like my we God. should plug it because it's a whole it's a whole thing. Um this is such an important story for me. Like, like this was there's very few moments where like my mind has been blown in the motorcycle industry, like like legitimately. Um this was definitely one of those. Uh hold on, I'm trying to find the episode. Like I went there, I saw the research, I saw the the crash data, I talked to all their people, and I was like, holy fuck. Literally, first thing this is episode 17. Wow. Uh, called 105. Go back to episode 17 because I think it's just pretty much that entire trip is just what we talk about. But like I like I literally I took I came home and like my favorite helmet on the industry in the industry right now for for sport bike track and racing is the AGV Pista GPR. Uh-huh. It gets a perfect score from Sharp. It's super light. It has a really small hinge system for the visor. That's really good. Right. It, it, it locks the visor down. It has good visibility. The The GPR has much better venting than the, the GP did. Um, they fixed a lot of problems. It's a really good helmet. Uh, if you don't want to spend the $1,300, $1,500, the Corsa is i think 800 and it's it's really good too yeah. but I, I i prefer the gpr because uh, actually truthfully i stole that fucking helmet from ajv i didn't <laughs> they didn't give it to me it wasn't a press loan he just snuck I out just five fingered that fucker at the laguna seca track day and was just like whatever <laughs> you know, just imagine you sitting there like hey guys what's that bye <laughs> i mean it just happened to like stay in my car that, i mean it just accidentally didn't get returned um, but I love that helmet. It's it's a phenomenal helmet. And I got back from MIPS and I was like, All right, you're going on the shelf. I'm gonna go wear this this Bell Pro Star because it's got the rotational thing in it, and I'm a believer now. Like, I don't want to get rid of this helmet, but the goal of a helmet is to protect my head. Right. And this there is a helmet that protects my head better than this helmet out. And I'm gonna vote with my dollars on this. Uh I'm a firm believer in MIPS. Uh, I think what 6D and what the Bell Flex do is is really interesting as well. You know, I don't know which of those three is better. You kind of get different answers depending who you talk to. Um, I don't have any empirical evidence, so I'm not going to make any recommendations. But I know that all three of those are doing more for rotational impact prevention or mitigation than all the other helmets on the market. So, you know, it, this was like such a sea change for me. And I'm sitting here and like in the, in the deeper... I go into it and the more research that I've done, and I did a lot of research in the past year, uh, you know, working up to the story, like, and that was kind of like what made it so hard. Cause it would just kind of snowball. I'd find, I'd, I'd find some more info. I would talk to someone and it would like put me back at like zero again. I'm like, fuck, huh. this is bigger than I think it is. This is, this is more and more like, there's going to be like, I'm going to write like three more stories about MIPS and rotational impact and helmets and all that stuff because of this, because there's so much. And what happened was like, it just got more and more and more, frustrated with the helmet industry and there's a couple players in it like major helmet manufacturers that most of our listeners probably wear who are just trying to find a word that isn't going to get me sued (laughs) they're just so not helping motorcyclists with their actions um and it just sit there and you're just like, and it's just because I don't know if it's corporate conservatism. I don't know if it's just like dollars and cents. Cause like there's a lot of margin in helmets. It is really cheap to make a helmet. You can make a helmet for like 20 bucks. So when you see companies selling you helmets for like 800 bucks, right? I mean, yeah, there's marketing and shipping and supply chain and like some other stuff that goes into it. Like maybe, you know, even those eight hundred dollar helmets probably like all in cost like a hundred dollars to make. Do you, do you think that there is a? Uh, I mean, currently there are all of four helmets in the motorcycle segment that have MIPS on them, and so are, do you think there's going to be a, a a turn where there's going to be more and more of this happening? Because yes, everything else yes. you're saying so far sort of makes it sound like we're talking about the Harley story again, right? It's like same old, same old, same old, and the idea of something new is terrifying. Well, this is this is why that story was so important to me, Shane, because 
every every other segment that's out there has like grasped onto this thing. Like like if you go back and look at like the research for um CTE, traumatic brain injuries, concussions, dementia, you know, all these things. Like the research is really terrifying. Yeah. You know, it, it's coalesce, coalescing around a concept that like we have been greatly underestimating how bad concussions are for us. Um, we, we are just, it's not like there's like some split on the, on the conversation. Like, well, you know, these head injuries and this and this and this. Like, no, 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 no. Like you hit your head. It's a cumulative effect. The rotation thing, like the torsion of the brain is really what's causing these things. Like that was the thing when I sat at MIPS, like they're showing me these slides of people that have had traumatic brain injuries where the force wasn't that high, but it was a rotational force. It was a torsional force. And you look at like the slides, like these dissections of the brain, and he puts them right next to a dissection of a brain that has dementia, and they look exactly the fucking same. And you're like, oh, yikes! That 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 was literally the thing for him. I was like, okay, yeah, this is yeah, okay. And all the research, and this isn't just MIPS research. This is this is scientists all over the world. This is the NIH. This is the UK. This is Japan. This is everyone that's looking at this. This is why the NFL was freaking the fuck out over all these stories about concussions right. and all those, you know, that Will Smith movie that got made like fucking real, man. It's because this is a huge deal. This is this is something like we're realizing like, yeah, we are really fucking people up. Like, I don't know how American football survives the next 10 years without a major, major rules change. I think in the next 10 years, we will see soccer eliminate being uh, heading the ball yeah. is legal. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to have to completely rethink youth sports. Funny enough, I don't think it's actually going to affect motorcycles that much because we don't hit our heads that often. Um, but when we do it, type of, yeah, it's when we do it, we do it really right. well, <laughs> but it's not like, it's not like football where like, if you're a football player, every play you're getting knocked in the head. Oh yeah. It's you know, you're getting tackled constant. every play. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, we're going to have to rethink a lot of things and I'm sitting there and that's why I'm like, I'm like fucking terrified of this story because it's such a big deal. And you see in cycling and in equestrian events and in snow sports and even in dirt bike riding, we see that the helmet industry is like, Oh yeah, no, we totally have to start doing these things. And you see, you see the proliferation of MIPS and you see other companies developing their own technologies to compete with it. Um, there's, there's like two camps, right? Like it's really hard and kind of expensive, especially with the way the patents are to like kind of make your own system now. Right. So like if you can, that's great. And you see like bell has done that and 60 has done that. And there's some others in the space as well. Um, and some of them, unfortunately, are total hocus pocus, which is which is crazy too. Um, so that's why we need a standard. We need some sort. We need someone to come and be like, okay, this is this is how we're going to test it, and now let's start testing everyone to see who's actually like doing something, who's just making shit up and calling it marketing. It's but if you don't have the money and the time and the energy to do that, and understand that a lot of helmet manufacturers don't even have like a drop test rig. Yikes! Um, I think like I could probably count it on my hand, like. AGV, Arai, Showy, Bell are the ones that come off the top of my head. I'm probably forgetting maybe one or two more brands, and everyone else is just kind of like, I, b- I bet Schubert's in that list. I'm not going to say they're not, yeah. <laughs> but it is not a brand name that comes to my mind so, you know, that I keep, does. I keep thinking about the idea that you know these people are you know also trying to sort of fight the idea that they don't want to make their helmets cost too much money. I'm looking at the list of helmets that are currently available with MIPS and the most expensive one retails for $525. That Yeah, I mean it, it's a little fucked up because that's Bell right. and then Bell's trying to sell their own system right. and they're competing and so like which one are you going to put in your high-end helmet? The, the thing from MIPS is it costs roughly $50 a helmet to license their technology. So, you know, if you're selling a $50 helmet, it's going to now cost a hundred bucks and that's a tough sell. But if you're selling a thousand dollar, like if I'm going to buy a high end track helmet, race helmet, those are, you know, $800 is kind of like your starting point. Right, exactly. Well, $600 is your starting point. A lot of them are at 800 and it's really easy to get into the thousand dollar range. No problem. I can think of three helmets off the top of my head that are a thousand bucks. Is $50 really going to be that big of a change? No. You're you're literally talking about five percent, a five percent price increase, for something that is tangibly better. Like the research shows that it is better. Um, and so for me, that's just like it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see that be the case. 
the, the, the adverse of it, right? If you don't have it and something horrible happens, is, is so much more than any hundreds of dollars that you'd spend extra on a helmet. And and well, and I hate to sound just, like a dad when I say that, but it's like, do you want it or not? Do you do you want to have all the protection and go do the thing and not worry about it, or do you want to take a chance? Well, why do you put a helmet on your head in the first place, right? You're doing it to protect yourself. So why wouldn't you get the helmet that's going to protect you the best? Or, or protect you as best as we can. I mean, like, motorcycle accidents, I always say this, motorcycle accidents are highly dynamic events. And, you know, there's there's only so much that a motorcycle helmet can do for you. Because if you hit a wall at 50 miles an hour head on, like, I'm sorry, like, you're probably just going to die. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just, that's just, re- that's just physics. That's, there's nothing that's we can do about right that. There. You know, unless we can get like one of those like inflatable balls from from Total Recall or something. I don't think it was Total Recall. What was it? Demolition Man. You know, like unless we like completely change how like safety works. Um, like you're just you're just you're gonna go from a uh, fifty miles to zero in like a blink of an eye. Like the G force is tremendous. Like yeah. you're gonna break every bone in your body, of course. Um, but hitting your head on the ground, dropping six feet or having a high side, let's say a high side, that's probably like one of the worst events you can do. Shoot straight up 15 feet in the air, drop yourself on your head. That's, that's what we're really, that's what a helmet's really protecting you for. Yeah. With momentum, like with a lot of speed. Well, see, that's the thing. Speed. I mean, speed plays a component, but I think people get messed up with this. Like, well, if you're going 150 miles an hour, you need to protect your head. And that's 150 mile an hour impact. And you're like, no, it's not because the impact is, is the vertical drop. Uh, there is some some friction of you know when you hit the ground, there's going to be a transfer of energy of you going 150 miles an hour, and depending on the friction of the helmet, some of that lateral force, you know, is going to be that that x-axis force is going to be transmitted to the to the helmet. But really, we're talking about the y-axis. We're talking about the up and down vertical drop, and like you just never fall more than 15 feet. You know, it's just it's just really hard to get flung in the air right. higher than that. Um, and that's what a helmet's designed to protect you from. You know, like if you hit a tree branch at 40 miles an hour, it's going to whiplash your head so hard it's going to break your neck mm-hmm. because that's just, that's just physics. That's just, that's what your bones break at. Like a helmet can only do so much for you on that. So I think we get kind of lost in the woods on like what a helmet's supposed to do. But, you know, I just sit there and it's just, it's maddening. It's, it's really maddening. And so, um, I have totally lost the thread of where I was going with all this conversation, but you know, for me, this is, this is a huge deal and it's only going to get, it's only going to be a bigger deal in the motorcycle space. It's, it's, that's what it was. It's so frustrating that in the streak bite thing, we're so conservative on it that we're so far behind. So to go back to your point, like, are we going to see more? Absolutely. We are because I'm hoping, you know, we're seeing it in other sports. We're seeing it thankfully because the NFL, it's like a common, thing that can be talked about in, in, in homes. Like it's in major headline news right. it's on, you know, the evening news It's in major newspapers talking about, you know, these conditions, these poor football players, you know, these poor people that are getting in crashes and we're seeing other sports pick it up. And that only puts more pressure, I think on the, the street side of the motorcycle industry to get with it. And the dirt side's obviously like, because dirt guys fall down all the time. So they're like, yeah, I definitely want to have a helmet that's going to protect me more. And I fall down all the time. And on the street bike side, we're still having the argument of whether or not we should be wearing helmets in the first place, which is just <laughs> insanity. I think that's part of it, though. I think that's like, like really, we have to have the debate first on whether or not you should be wearing a helmet and let alone like if it should be a full face helmet and then let alone should it have this like rotational thing in it. So we got some we got a ways to go. But yeah, I think hopefully there's going to be an increased conversation. I'm hoping this story sparks more debate like I. I'm always super stoked to see people that are like, read your story, heard your podcast, went out and bought a MIPS helmet, right. went out and bought a 60 helmet, went out and bought a, you know, a Bell helmet. Thank you. Because it's like, good. The word's getting out there. People are listening. People are, are coming to the same conclusions that you and I are, Shaheen. And there's being like, and hopefully they're spreading the good, the good gospel to their friends as well. And it'll, it'll, it'll be a, the problem is it's going to have to be a bottom up grassroots kind of thing instead of a top down because we just can't trust the motorcycle helmet manufacturers to do the right thing on this well i mean there are there are businesses that are trying to make money and they're you know but they're making so much money already yeah you know greed's a motherfucker but here we are trying to save lives right i mean it's I, i always liken it to this i i love motorcycling probably more than just about almost anything in my life 
uh, and I want to continue on doing Team it. Team and it, you that's get why I said there. almost. I I, I weighed my words truly? very carefully. What about truly? <laughs> that little guy, you know, he comes like a distance third. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, he's he's the safety. He's the safety. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's 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 the reason uh, probably Team Ann puts up with me so much. He's my barrier. Um, he's my coffee filter. <laughs> but anyway, so what I'm saying is I, I love motorcycling so much that I want to continue to do it for as long as I can. And one of the ways that I can ensure that is to make sure that I'm as safe as possible when I go out there because yeah, I mean, what we do is inherently can be dangerous. So, you know, either you are one of those people who's like, oh, you know, you only live once, just go out and have fun. You got to feel the wind in your blah, 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 whatever. Cool. All right. Well, I just want to keep doing this thing. And I've hit the ground enough times on a motorcycle to know that shit hurts. And the older you get, the longer it hurts and the longer <laughs> it takes to, to, you know, recover from any of these things. So if you have the options, if there are certain manufacturers who are going above and beyond the rest of them to make sure that you're covered and you're protected and you can get back up, hopefully from the thing that happened to you to continue on doing it, then a, I mean, from a humanitarian point of view, great, awesome, you've saved a life. But let's just look at it as a business. That's someone that hopefully will have survived and will come back to do more, right? So if you've sold a good helmet that saved someone's head and they choose to come back to riding motorcycles, they're going to come back to that helmet again. Yeah, I just thought of something. Like, you know, we, we've talked before about how uh, BMW has, BMW Motorrad has by far, I wouldn't say by far the most recalls in the industry but they are definitely a brand that comes to mind as having a lot of recalls but they do such a good job of taking care of their customers during those recalls that it just evangelizes their customers even more they're like oh yeah you know that yeah my bike totally like fell apart but bmw gave me like two new ones right. to, to make it right and you're like they become bmw riders for life it's the same with helmets where it's like if you have a big crash and like you don't get a concussion or you don't get hurt, like you just become more evangelized into that brand. And unfortunately, it makes people kind of it, it, it's very anecdotal evidence. Like I hear people like, oh, I had this one crash and it was really bad and I was wearing brand X and that's why brand X is the best. And you're like, well, I mean, like it's kind of hard to tell in that situation if like just wearing a helmet in general is what saved your bacon. Right. If, if it was like that brand was just so much better, like that, you know, it, you would have gotten injured in someone else's helmet and like, it's like, it's like, it's, yeah, it's really hard to prove that, but it doesn't really matter because perceptions are real there where it's like, Hey, if you came out of the crash, um, like that crash where, where, where I crashed the BMW S 1000 double R at the, at the Metzler ride. Right. Like, you know, I'm in my Dainese airbag leathers and I wasn't hurt at all. Like I'm, I'm super stoked on yeah. those leathers. Like they did their job. That was, that was rad. Uh, would I have been unscathed in an Alpine star suit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but like you, I've been an you hurt in a non-airbag suit. You hurt Probably. yourself wearing an icon jacket once, and you kind of swore it off, yeah. even though you know that it could have been anything. It's such a dynamic event. It is such a dynamic event. Like and that's that's a great point. That's an absolutely great point. Um, there's, I mean, like again, it's, it's anecdotal, so I could sit here and like dissect it and like reason to you why I think I'm right. But it's like I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, I know the only thing I know is the only time I've ever gotten really injured in a motorcycle crash was wearing a Icon Raiden jacket. <laughs> so with no airbag and, and that experience, that process is what made me so gung ho about airbag suits. Cause then I was like, you know what? This sucks. Yeah. Like getting surgery and like, like walking around Germany with a 40 pound cast for a week. Like that sucked. Well, I'm not doing that again. Airbags are fucking rad that makes <laughs> airbags are way better than any other jacket that doesn't have them done i mean that, that's the same thing in my mind though like where it's like you sit there and you're like no airbag suits airbag jackets have made all other jackets obsolete why would you wear a normal jacket or suit when there's an airbag version out and it's the same thing now with me for 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 helmets it's like the this mips this this rotation thing if it's a 60 or whatever brand you know, if it's got a functioning, good rotational system in it, why would you wear a helmet that doesn't have that? Why would you pick the lesser option if you have a choice? And I understand like with helmets, like some people like just don't fit in a bell. They don't fit in an icon. They don't fit in a 60. And it's like, sorry, hopefully, hopefully time will march on and other brands that do fit your head will, will develop or, or incorporate one of these systems. 
you know, we're kind of early days on it still. But, you know, if you have that choice, like if you can fit in a lot of different brands, like wouldn't you pick the one that's that's got the latest technology in it? Doesn't that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, but my grandfather used to wear leather helmets and he rode his Harley in the dirt both ways in the snow and he's fine. Well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I hear that too. Like, it'll be like Brand X. Like, you know, like I've been wearing Brand X for 20 years and they're the best. And, da, 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 da. and it's like, well, yeah, I bet back in the day that was actually like a really good helmet to, to be in because it was higher quality than what was out there and they were taking it more seriously. They're building a better mousetrap. But like, truthfully, none of the helmets I've seen, like a lot of the brands don't even update their helmets that often. They update them every fucking 10 years or whatever. And it's yeah, just like marginal updates. On there. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so that really hasn't progressed at all. You know, we're still building them the same way. It's still either a plastic or composite shell with literally styrofoam uh, for padding. Now we're getting a little crafty and we're having multi-density foams, right. which is a real, uh, actually a pretty good move, movement there. That, that, that does something. That is definitely a good thing. I would definitely pick a multi-density foam helmet over a standard one-layer EPS foam helmet. And then you have a comfort layer. Like, that's a helmet. That's how you build a helmet. It's It hasn't really changed uh, until, you know, MIPS and those those kind of technologies came along. Um, hey, I like how Icon came full circle, and they were the, the jacket you wore when you got hurt, but now they're one of the few MIPS helmets out there. I will give props to Icon. I, I do not necessarily think of them first when I think about safety, but they 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 grasp onto some certain some things really well. They're they're using 3DO extensively. They're getting gung-ho with MIPS. Now it's interesting that they're putting MIPS in that crazy Daft Punk Street Fighter helmet. I forget the name of it. You've got one. The, the Air Flight. The Air Flight. <laughs> interesting helmet. You can sort of transform it into a dirt bike helmet. You can put like a little visor it's, on there and wear your uh, goggles so in it. So or you could just look but, Daft Punk when you ride around and, you know, just around the world, around the world with your helmet on. It's a th- it's a $300 helmet that I think is probably safer than a lot of $1,000 helmets out there. Yeah, and that's the that's really the thing. I mean, on that list, like yeah. I said, most of those, like, I'm looking at the Bell Adventure helmet with the MIPS on there. Yeah. And I was expecting yeah. it to be like a six $700 helmet, and it's not. It's like 325 bucks or something like that. Yeah, but I think they want you to buy their Bell Flex Adventure I think that's why, like, Bell's doing something interesting where Bell's trying to sell its own system. Um, and if you look at the Flex versus the MIPS, the Flex has a multi-density foam, and the MIPS ones do not. And I think that's one of the ways they're kind of right. bracketing them. Um, so it's obviously in Bell's best interest to sell you their technology um, because they're not having to pay a licensing fee, for for starters. Um, so it's interesting how they're bracketing it. But, like, hey, it works out for me because... I can't really sit there and tell you like MIPS or Flex is better than the other. Right. Um, I've, I've heard a lot that they're pretty similar to each other, truthfully. Um, so if they're going to sell the one that's just as good for cheaper, okay. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm going to go Done. beat up Sign on it up. out in the woods anyways. Yeah. Um, I would like to see that. I wish the MIPS helmet had multi-density foam in it. I think that that could move the needle in my perception, in my perspective. Um, but... Uh, there's one thing I want to hit, Shaheen, before I forget. The FIM standard for helmets, their testing standard has a rotational component to it. And I think that is going to help push some of the more stubborn brands yeah. in this space into having to develop something. Now, whether or not it's just for racers only, because almost all these helmet companies, except for AGV, are selling their are are not selling their FIM homologated helmets. And as far as I can tell the AGV FIM it's it's this would be the AGV Pista GP RR. It doesn't have any rotational things in it that I that I can find. Right. Uh the official comment I got from AGV was no comment. Um and you go through their marketing material and their spec sheets and stuff and they say nothing about rotational force, which I think is a huge shame because it that's the helmet I want to put on my head. That's that's the helmet. That's the one I like. It fits my head. It fits my use. I think it's good. I think it's for a standard helmet. I think it's the best one on the market. I just wish it had rotational stuff in it. Here's hoping. Here's hoping that they do it. Yeah, we can only we can only hope. Um, I think we're running out of time. I just want to plug really quick. On Monday, June first, I'll be doing a live chat with Peter Halden, who is one of the co-founders of MIPS. 
Um, that should be a really interesting discussion. We're going to talk about a lot of things that we, you and I just talked about here, Shaheen. Nice. Um, that'll be at 10 a.m. Pacific time, Monday, June 1st, on the Asphalt and Rubber YouTube channel. Excellent. I will make sure to tune in to see what's up. Yeah, and bring your questions um, because I think that's – he's he's one of the dudes, right? You know, like talking to him was part of the reason why I was like, yep, okay, yeah, no, you totally got me. I'm sold. I'm on board. Let's do this. Like, we need to spread the word. This is super important. Um, I don't care if people buy a MIPS helmet or a 6D helmet or a Bell helmet or if someone else comes out with some other technology that works. Like, I'm very agnostic about which denomination of faith but you just need to believe in this concept. Like you have to have faith in like rotational <laughs> yeah. forces and the torsion on your brain is doing so much damage. Um, it's such a big deal. Uh, I want to be able to like talk to my grandkids, you know, I don't want to be like one of these punch drunk boxers that you see. Ah, it's crazy. Uh, Uncle Jensen over there talking to the yeah, tree again. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you see this, this proves that we need our nerds to make things like MIPS, not name motorcycles. Yes. Right? There's that's that's where the nerds should be going. Save us. Um, make us go faster. Make us be more efficient. Stop naming shit. Yeah. Um, Shaheen, I think that's gonna do us for this edition of the Brack Talk. Good podcast. timing. I just ran out of beer. Good. <laughs> uh, before we let our listeners go, I do want to make sure they are following us on social media. We are at We Brap Talk on Twitter. At Brap Talk on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook under the Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us your love. And with that, Shaheen, what do we say? Uh, we say safety third and uh, wash your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. Good talk. We'll see you out there. Bye. Is Working there any now. other bike you want to be a passenger on? I mean, please name one. No. Uh, RSV4. A passenger? <laughs> 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 that seat that seat's it's just ridiculous like you just like it's like a suggestion you guys even it's not even a seat it's just why a did suggestion. you even bother it's like i have underwear that has more covers than that <laughs> it's a thong it's a motorcycle yeah. thong you just kind of wear it yeah i've seen strippers wear more that's not true. way more I've been to a strip club <laughs> i can't imagine you're a strip club ever i'd be so bored <laughs> so wait hold on uh i have to throw money at you but i can't touch you is it, I mean, can, can you talk explain me? that to me? Explain right. that concept. I don't. I don't. Why would I do that? Why would that be a thing? Maybe you're going to the wrong strip club. Maybe you should go to the why one the where drinks? the strippers are male. They'll, they'll you probably touch them. Why are all the drinks so expensive? Why do you not have Mountain Dew? I don't understand. Oh. Why am I here? Um, I had a concept. If anyone's listening, please do it. And you know, I'll just take I don't know five percent. Um, coffee Off shop, coffee shop strip club where you get mm. latte and a lap dance or cinnamon bun. And a little lap dance or whatever. You know, if you go out from from like downtown Portland out to Skyline, yeah. you'll go past the uh, Bikini Barista. Uh-huh. Very similar concept. Very, but there's no, I don't think they dance for you. They just look cute and smile at you and have, you know, wish you a good morning. Uh, I think, I think a lot of those girls, that's their day job and their night jobs at the strip club. I think they can do a little shaky shake. Um, they're in nursing school. You take that back. <laughs>